Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello and welcome to the Monday edition of the Town Alone Podcast, podcast brought to you by The Wheel. I am your host, Adam Hess, and with me, as always, my co-host, Mike Montgomery, Alabama, Regan. Mike Montgomery, Alabama, Regan, how are you doing today? Oh boy, I've been better. I've, uh, thanks to how the Bills game went, I've basically had to spend the day watching the uh, video of CM Punk's return just to give myself the dopamine hit to not curl up in a ball and cry. (laughs) Yeah, not a. It was like a really good twenty four hours for you, and then suddenly a terrible twenty four hours. Yeah, not great. You made I'm money sure on uh, your college football bets, though. I did. Went three and one in those. So that's not bad. Yeah, nice job. Nice job, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Positive EV bets for the on Saturday article. Positive CM Punk returns for Survivor Series. Negative negative wins for the Bills game. Yeah, like the punk thing was importantly sandwiched between two terrible things. Like Sabres got their ass kicked seven two. Punk returns. I feel like life is worth living again. And then the Sabres <laughs> or the Bills lose. You know, it's it's been a real roller coaster. Maybe the, the Yankees will win a pennant this year. It'll all be worth it for you. I guess. All right, Mike. It is Monday, November twenty seventh, twenty twenty three. That means that since our recording, our last recording on Thursday morning. Since our last recording, we had all of the Thanksgiving days, the Black Friday game, an entire Sunday slate, and every single game for the week, except the highly lauded, extremely watchable Vikings at Bears. Since we kind of missed all of our notes for the Thanksgiving games and for the Black Friday game, I figure we'll go through and hit those real quick, get some thoughts on those, just some, some quick, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down style interactions with them at this point they've been talked to death i'm sure but yeah just want to go through and hit them on our own time here uh start off with the early game here green bay at detroit green bay wins it 29 22 detroit in shambles no longer even a good nfl team at this point i mean even that like detroit gets the late touchdown to pull within seven but it 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 never felt like they were coming back in the second half of that game mike uh what'd you think of green bay at detroit how how concerned are you if you're a Lions fan? Not a good loss. Yeah, it it feels like for as much as I talked about how Jared Goff performs better in domes, it feels like lately the ball just keeps slipping out of his hands. Teeny tiny hands. And on, on the flip side, a couple good games here from Jordan Love. Yeah. He's trending up. He's trending up. Starting to look like Jordan Love might just be the Aaron Rodgers replacement we all thought he was. It's almost like we should let quarterbacks actually play before like five games into the season we decide they're washed how dare you i already know bryce young's a bust i didn't say that had anything to do with bryce young all right uh, speaking of which frank reich gets the boot shit canned yeah and then today the talk's all been about how bad of an owner uh tepper is yeah tepper not looking like a great owner so far looks very impatient yeah at least he can't be the worst owner because Jim Mercer still in the league. Hey, Mike, what'd you you think? Green Bay at at Detroit had this rank as a Thanksgiving Day game for you. It was was good. It was, in hindsight, it was definitely needed when you consider how the next two games play out. It was nice to see a little bit of an upset close game. 
I gave it a 6 out of 10 on my official Thanksgiving ranking system. Didn't feel like Detroit had a shot after Green Bay went up 15. But still, got to see some Detroit football, you know. Felt like Thanksgiving. Next up, Washington Commanders at the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott, welcome to the MVP conversation. I know we were there a little bit earlier than the rest of everyone else, but welcome to the conversation. Four touchdown performance. Cowboys win 45-10 to 10 in a game that didn't even ever feel that close. This felt closer to being the Denver-Miami game than it felt to being Dallas-San Francisco. Yeah, I'll save my Dak comments for later because I have a headline that has to do with him and somebody else. But the game was... 7 nothing after the first quarter, and then it was just kind of, like, over. Like, I know it was only 20-10 at half, but it never felt like – that didn't feel close. Like, it didn't feel like the commies were closing the 10-point gap. And then in the fourth quarter, the Cowboys just decided to, like, just annihilate them. Well, the official cornerback of the Amtrak from New York to Chicago, De'Aaron Bland, gets his pick six that gives him yeah. – the record for most pick six in a season. Ironically, on the other side, Emmanuel Forbes got drafted way out, way too high because he set the college record for most pick six in a season last season. Another like rough thing was is like when Cavante Turpin breaks off along <laughs> or uh, gets has a touchdown, like you know you just got shit kicked by the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, at the point when it's not C.D. Lamb. Like, if you look down at your phone and look up and someone besides CeeDee Lamb is running for a 45-yard touchdown, you should be a little bit concerned about what's going on in the game. A little bit. Uh, Dak throws four touchdowns. The performance was so bad that it gets Jack Del Rio fired. But in reality, the performance was so bad that it got Ron Rivera fired, and he's just trying to keep his job alive. Yeah, I guess he should spend the like, rest of the time filling out his resume, getting it up to date, yeah. packing up his things in his office. Go get uh, go get some professional photo- photographs for his uh, LinkedIn. Yeah, some new headshots. Maybe go to new Hollywood. Headshots. Maybe get Come one on a rowboat. Oh, that's a good. I wonder one. if he could, if it, if he gets one at the bottom that just says "coward" on it. I think that that would help a lot for people to really understand the Ron Rivera experience. Yes, I say about a man who beat cancer. <laughs> I know. Wow, we're only like what two years removed from that, and we're just really hammering him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I give this one a four out of ten on Thanksgiving meter. Blowouts are fun, but this was a good time to eat Thanksgiving in a different room. Um, yeah, that's good. The only reason I'll, like, the only enjoyable part of the game for me, really, was, well, the Duran Bland record setter. And Dak, once, ahead, once again, had a massive fantasy day for me. So thank you, Dak. And you're welcome for training Dak to you. Well, thank you. Thank you to you as well. I just want to point out, this dropped... Washington, this and some of the results on Sunday, dropped Washington currently into the fifth spot in the draft. You should see the outrageous texts I'm in right now, the outrageous group texts I'm in about Washington's draft now. What what are people, what are the Washington diehards saying? Fuckers dropping Brock Bowers into the chat at five. Brock Bowers is really good, but... There's no tight end worth taking that high. I agree. If it, nothing else, Kyle Pitts has proven that. There's no, there's no reason mm-hmm. to take a tight end in the top 10 picks. Not a premium position. Mm-hmm. Got people doing the gymnastics, the mental gymnastics to figure out how Marvin Harrison Jr. falls to us. Suggestions about what we could trade to get up to the number two spot to take either Caleb Williams or Drake May, whoever doesn't go number one. 
got got some some serious copium going now that we're in the fifth spot in the draft. I my vote, my vote. Just go with that pass rusher out of UCLA, man. Play too lot too. Yeah. Maybe a little Jared Verse. Either Jared one. Verse is mocked to be gone by then. He's supposed to be like the fourth pick. Yeah. Like like you know, at five, just go the the tackle or go the uh the best edge in the class. That's my vote. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If one of the top linemen are still there, which one of them will probably will yeah, be. Yeah, Joe Walt will still be there for sure, yeah. right? Yeah. That's good. That's a good grab. Just draft draft the line. We traded away two highly picked defensive linemen. If you don't want to do that again, switch sides. Pick some offensive linemen. Yep. Next up, the night game that we had. Uh, Mike, I'll be honest with you. I was hammered during this game. So I don't really remember it all that clearly, which 49ers win 31-13. Yeah, I had to get – I had to wrap up uh, on Saturday and get it sent to you. So I did not pay much attention to this game. Kept an eye on the score every once in a while, and it was what it was. I was drunk on champagne. Classy. Classy drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Classy drunk. Christian McCaffrey goes for 140 total yards, two touchdowns. Niners coast to a win. Uh, I, I labeled this game the, the tryptophan nightcap game mm-hmm. of the week. Everyone was all turkeyed out and asleep by the one time this one was over. This one was another 4 out of 10. Another blowout. 4 out of 10? Yeah. That's too, that's that's what, too generous. That's why I gave Washington-Dallas. Yeah, but that had some at least fun aspects to it. It was a wider margin of victory. Yeah. 140 yards for CMC. Exactly. I'd rather watch a like crazy massive blowout than an 18 point blowout. That's boring. My bad. I wasn't like personally attacking you over it. I was just giving my opinion. I wasn't like your opinion's so wrong and you're a shit human for it. That's not how that went. Well, when I edit it, it's sure gonna sound like you said it that way. Okay. Mike, what do you think? Overall Thanksgiving slate. Thumbs up, thumbs down. More more thumbs downs and thumbs ups. I think it looks like that in retrospect. Because you go, none of these games were good, except Green Bay Detroit, but even that, it was like a late touchdown that pulled that within one score, and it the game was never really in question. I think this was a perfect Thanksgiving game. You got like six people in your fucking house, and they're all like mm-hmm. talking to each other, and someone's like, we should go play pickleball outside, and there's, people are busting open the natty light. You know what? You're not missing shit. You can put, you can like throw open the storm doors, turn off the furnace, just let the the sounds of Chris Collinsworth wash over you while you're outside playing uh, cornhole. Yeah, going in, it was like, oh, three divisional games, cool. It should be good. And then two of them were just wildly disparate in the team's performances. Like how you can really tell. What's up? When I'm not, you can really tell when I'm not sure if I used a word right based on the tone of my voice. I can always tell because you squint like you're trying to see something that was written in disappearing ink on the back of the Constitution. Yeah, I will say this: the the brand new Black Friday game that the league decided to put on. First off, paint it black. Solid choice, you know, just for promo music. Solid choice. It's better, definitely better than Back in Black. That would have been too much. Paint It Black, it's got like a, it's, it's still definitely a rock song, but it's more melodic. It's a little lower key. It's kind of got like a, a rhythmic drumming to it. Paint It Black actually gets me more hype than Back in Black. Maybe, it, but Back in Black is like fucking screaming at you. It's also so overdone. Yeah. Paint It Black, 
good choice NFL mm-hmm. for the the promos for for Black Friday football. But Black Friday football game was fucking awesome. I get it. 34-13, slightly bigger blowout than San Francisco Seattle, slightly smaller blowout than Washington Dallas. This game was absolutely on its bullshit. All game, man. <laughs> my my headline for this game I wrote down, QB change or uh, uh, New York changes to Tim Boyle ends up with the same result. Seven sacks for Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle and Tua Tungavailoa combined for four interceptions, three fumbles, and two pick sixes. Yeah, it's not even like the Dolphins played great. No, they just had a 99-yard pick six. Yeah, and like, you know, and, and Waddle and and uh, Tyreek had really good days. But, I mean, I didn't, I thought it was, you know, I didn't, not going to say it was a great game, but it gave us the uh, the Hail Satan, as I called it, so. Mm-hmm. The that. Hail Satan or the Hell or the Hell Mary are the two Ooh. best ones I've I've heard. Those are both good. Just outrageous game. For those of you who weren't watching because you were too busy sitting outside of Best Buy waiting to buy something you could have gotten on Amazon for the same price two months ago. Into the second half or into the first half, the New York Jets make one of the smartest moves I've ever seen and decide to load up and throw a Hail Mary with Tim Boyle at quarterback. If you want to know Tim Boyle's college stats, go back and listen to the, our Thursday podcast. Where I point out that Tim Boyle has more interceptions than touchdowns in his college career. Loads up for a Hail Mary. Throws it downfield. A defensive back that wasn't Jalen Ramsey, so I can't remember who it was, on Miami. Picks it off at the one. Runs it back 99 yards for a touchdown. It was the epitome of Robert Sala gets on the headphones and they're like, should we kneel it? And he goes, no, throw the Hail Mary. What's the worst that could happen? That. That. <laughs> Mike, I gave this one a whopping highest score of the segment. Seven out of ten. Yeah, that's the, fair. It was it was a weird game. The score does not demonstrate how weird this game was. That is that is very true. I like to imagine one person on the Jets staff was like, No, we need to kneel, we need to kneel. And then after that happened, there was just like silence in the headsets. <laughs> and Silo was like, I swear to God, Clark, if you say one fucking word. <laughs> What do you think the halftime locker room speech after that is? Like, you think they walk in there and Salah goes, oh, you can't win them all. <laughs> can't wait. Uh, Aaron Rodgers back next week, right? I saw things like, Rodgers practicing next week. Shut up. If he returns the season, that he lied. That wasn't a blown ACL or a blown yeah. Achilles. I'm telling so, you right now, that was bullshit. It's big Roman Reigns. How did he cure cancer with pills energy there? <laughs> yeah. Big thing to come out of this is Jalen Phillips goes down. Torn Achilles, he's done for the season. That's arguably the best defensive player on the Miami Dolphins and already not the best defense in the world. It was, they were playing outside of their talent. Just, uh, that one hurts. I mean, it's not like that's what their Super Bowl hopes were were hanging on, but he's a good player in the prime of his career. Torn Achilles. Yeah, I feel like linebacker is one of those positions where, there's like a big gap. Like if you have a really good one, it's super noticeable. And then everybody else has just okay ones that you don't feel like come into play as much. Like a kicker. Exactly. All right, Mike, with that, we've covered our weird pre-weekend slate of football. Yeah. Don't have to see any of that again until next year. So get fucking lost Friday football. Get out of here. It was a good pod. I'll talk to you later. And uh, no reason to talk about anything from Sunday. So... Oh, man, this is going to be so easy to add. 17 minutes. Yeah. That's sick.
So, since it's Monday, as I previously stated before the last segment, as every Monday, we go through the Monday morning headlines, talk about the week that was in the NFL. I'm going to start us off here, Mike. We got we to gotta start with the top line. I have the headline written down as the one that went through and the one that didn't. And there was two phenomenal games on Sunday. And I'll start with the one that hurts you less, and we'll talk about the one that hurts you more. Thank you. The Texans lose the game on a last-second field goal. They drive down the field on an 11-pay drive to get in range for a 58-yard field goal. By the way, Matt Amendola, their kicker, career-long Mike, 49 yards. Wow. Yeah, not, not, not a great. <laughs> yeah. So they go for the 58-yard field goal. It's going. It's going. It's going. It dinks off the front of the crossbar. Oh. Miserable way to lose a game. The fraud Jacksonville Jaguars win it. Houston falls back two and a half games to the Jags in the division. In fact, as of right now, I believe that Houston is out of the playoffs currently after that loss. They are. I think they're right above Buffalo as the nine. The other game, Philadelphia-Buffalo. Mike, should have known you were screwed as soon as you saw them in the Kelly Greens. Yeah, I was like, wow, they're, they're fucking terrified of us. They had to bust out the Kelly Greens. Also, I, I apologize. Houston's currently the eighth seed. Okay. Which means they are out of the playoffs. Still out of the playoffs, but yeah. I just wanted to be accurate. This game, the Bills seem to get the stop they need to force Jake Elliott to kick a 59-yard field goal in the rain with a crosswind. Now, we have plenty of complaints we can make about Sean McDermott leading up to this point. He wouldn't have been in this position if he had gone for two before it. But 59 yards in the rain in a crosswind. I know. Jake Elliott has hit a 63-yard field goal. His second or third week in the league, he had a 61-yard field goal to win over the Giants. He's a very good kicker. But this might be one of the most impressive field goals I've ever seen. 59 yards in a crosswind. Or, uh, yeah, in a crosswind with rain. And he hits it. And it would have been good distance-wise for another six, seven yards. Now, it would snuck in through the right upright, but it would have been good from further back if the uprights were infinitely wide. Mm-hmm. Since the game to overtime, the Eagles win it in overtime. Bills fall to 6-6, six and six, knocking them back to the 10th seed currently. Mike, I'll let you talk here in a second, but I just want to say these two games, the losing quarterbacks had easily the two best quarterback performances of the day. Goes to show you quarterback stats are not a win. In fact, I personally think this Josh Allen game was maybe the best quarterback game I've seen all season. I mean, he was fucking, his fucking hair was on fire, man. There was smoke shooting out of his ears. Goes 29-51, 399 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And he adds to that, nine carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns. On that last drive where he overthrows Gabe Davis, well, Gabe Davis and him disagree on what happened there, but. Davis, Davis, no, Davis ran the wrong way. There's some disagreement there. Nah, I, I Davis ran the original route because he beat his guy. But traditional teaching would have told you that if it's a complete blitz, get your head around, see where the ball's coming. Yeah. But Davis ran his original route. He, he ran the route that was called. But on that drive, Josh Allen converts a third and nine on his feet in overtime. Josh Allen converted three or four different third and longs on his feet. He was just throwing fucking bullets all day too, man. I mean, just outrageous. I, he has, you know, he, he has like a non-called face mask that he gets hit with. Or his collar. He's, 
horse collar. There you go. He has a non-called horse collar. He gets he he doesn't get it, the call for. He just lights it up. C.J. Stroud also the other great quarterback performance on the day. Twenty-six for thirty-six, three hundred four, two touchdowns, six carries, forty-seven yards, and a rushing touchdown. Mike, do you have any thoughts on uh, Texans Jags, or, or do you just want to go ahead and get to the main event here? Um, I have. Um, I'll talk about that in the award segment possibly, but I will say it was a hell of a QB battle. You want to? You want to admit Trevor Lawrence is good? Is that what you're saying? No, not at all. Okay, not at all. It's also a big day. It, that that Texans game was a big day for slamming helmets. Like six or seven different players yeah. slammed their helmets. Actually, let me jump in before we talk about those other guys. Because um, I wrote down here on the rundown, Mike's new most hated team. Taking over all of their teams in the NFL. The Patriots, the Bengals, the Chiefs. It's not the Eagles. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> I hate this team with a fiery passion. Sports hate. Calm down, people. So much. I don't have like I didn't take on like a bridge of notes to be like this, that, this, that, the other thing. They are just frauds. And then they play one good game and then they'll beat up some shit teams and they'll play another good team and get stomped into the dirt. They're fake. They have fake swagger, and they're just fake. They're so fake. It drives me insane. And then, once again, every, like, four or five weeks or so, they'll have a good game against a decent team and think that they're world beaters. Enjoy getting knocked out in the first round again. It's going to be a lot of fun for you. They, they actually made it out of the first round last year. I brought this up. That doesn't count when you face Brandon Staley. There's an asterisk. <laughs> I, I brought this up yesterday when I was watching football. I can't tell why my estimate on Trevor Lawrence is off. I can't tell if he's an average quarterback and just what average quarterback in the league means now is significantly better than what it was 10 years ago. I can't tell if he's an above average quarterback, but the hype was so high coming in to the draft that he just can't possibly live up to it. Or I can't tell if he's a good quarterback and I'm dramatically undervaluing him. I believe Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. If you're ranking the quarterbacks, all 32 starting quarterbacks in the league, he's obviously somewhere in the top 16. There's many that he is better than. I don't think he's lived up to his draft hype, but it was also extremely high to live up, and he got hampered in development due to Urban Meyer in his first season. However, and not to do this kind of like abstract criticism that isn't based in a lot of facts or statistics, I don't trust Trevor Lawrence. Like, if I'm down by two scores halfway through the third or something, or even going into the second half, I don't trust Trevor Lawrence to bring me back in the game, with the exception of if he's facing Brandon Staley. You could feel it. You could feel it as we're loading up on that. Yeah. So I think if things are going right, they stay in front uh, with a lead during the game, and they keep things on the rails, then... Trevor Lawrence can take care of business for you. I don't think he's going to hurt you a lot. Uh, he did pretty bad in that Niners game, but that's the Niners. All right, Mike, we got we to gotta talk about yeah. the Buffalo-Philly game. Ends up, Philly wins it in overtime. Overall, I feel like Buffalo played better, and Philly just somehow figures out how to win these games. I think in reality... What it came down to is Jake Elliott might be the best kicker in the league. Sean McDermott went for one instead of two when he should have gone for two. And Sean McDermott kicked a field goal in overtime. 
first thing I want to comment on is how you said Buffalo played better. And especially I just want to point out, if you follow Ben Baldwin, a.k.a. Computer Cowboy on Twitter, if you're like a analogs guy, great follow. He also has a good EPA website. He posted a picture after that game of some numbers. EPA per play, Josh had a .36 to Hertz .05. He had a total EPA of 21.7. The Bills scored 34 points and compared to Hertz's 2.2. The quarterback play was so desperate, and there was talk on Twitter going into this game of like, oh, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, he's won so many games. He's a better quarterback. And uh, and those are people who like don't really know anything about football and just check box scores and look at win records. Um, I'm fired up tonight. I'm coming after people. <laughs> and uh, Josh just played, like you said, he played, you can pick at him for his performances in like Sunday night and Monday night games. He's Mr. 425. <laughs> You put him in like the Tony Romo spot. This dude just plays out of his mind. Uh, yeah, it was, it was the best game I saw from all year. Now to go to the other things. Now that I've praised my hero, can I real quick interject? Yes. To to show you, I know we tend to complain that the MVP is just a quarterback award. Even dumber than that, it's a team success award. Jalen Hurts, current front runner for MVP. Yeah, I think he's sixth in EPA per play. Yeah, Josh Allen is one, two, three, ninth. Ninth in EPA, in EPA per no, play? Oh. Ninth, ninth in MVP odds. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And uh, I'm also going to mention that uh, once again in another segment about why that award's being evaluated poorly. Uh, we have to mention the refs. I'm not, I've rarely ever one of those people who are like, the refs were terrible. They screwed us. These refs were god awful. Like, this was a 11 to 4 penalty situation. And the only reason it got to that point was because travis kelsey slightly fin- flinched twice on the last drive for false starts and jason was, kelsey just to make jason sure kelsey. That you get the right Sorry. you get the right podcast host there yeah thank you jason kelsey did uh if it wasn't for that it would be crazy i mean you we were i was texting you about it you saw all the blatant calls the horse collar where reddick has his fingers like in the collar on the back of alan's pads and hockley staring right at it nothing there was some egregious passer interferences on digs after the Bills scored the one touchdown, Diggs was standing there and the Eagles player just ran up on him and knocked him over. And there's just nothing. But once again, I don't like to be the person who blames refs for their losses, as bad as they were. It comes down to game management. And it was terrible. You can't leave a timeout in your pocket when you have 20 seconds left and Josh Allen and not attempt to get in the field goal range. Yeah, that's all. I, I completely forgot to bring that up. Just absolutely ridiculous that, all right, game's tied. A, A, to start with, prior to the field goal, right? Third and 17 after the two Jason Kelsey false starts. The Bills defense comes out and lines up, and McDermott calls a timeout. Now, you can initially say, maybe they didn't like the look. Maybe they came out and drop eight saw what the Eagles offense was showing them and thought this is going to be a QB draw or this is going to be, uh, you know, a, a handoff to DeAndre Swift or something. And so McDermott was like, we can't let them make this field goal easy. Call a timeout, call a different defense, right? Because he had three. Okay. Even if you want to say that. He then ices the kicker. Something that there is no statistical evidence to show that it works. Every yeah. single coach that's doing it is wasting a timeout. And most of the time, I get it. It's four seconds left in the game, three seconds left in the game. You're not going to get possession. It doesn't matter. So fucking throw it away or whatever. Yeah. 
There was 22 seconds left, 23 seconds left, when he decided to waste a timeout icing the kicker. At that point, if you're McDermott, you have to know. If he hits this, we still get the ball back with a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Not, not enough time for, you know, an intricate drive, but you have Howitzer Allen back there. Let him uncork a few down the field, man. And then you come out with a timeout, 20 seconds, on the 25-yard line, and kneel it? How do you not lose the locker room after that? Yeah, it's just, it's unacceptable, especially when you consider, like, you have Stephon Diggs. If there's anybody I trust to run some good, out, quick out routes to get yards, it's Stephon Diggs. And if there's like, a, a quarterback I trust to be able to throw it outside the numbers with precision, it's Josh Allen. Exactly. But then going into overtime, you can't, you take that ball, it's fourth and seven, and it's like you forgot what happened in the previous 60 minutes. You forgot that the Eagles offense, especially in the fourth quarter, we just really couldn't stop them. And you, I, I always say this, I said it to someone today, I hate, I hate passing on the known for the unknown. And the known in that situation was we convert, we get a touchdown, we win. The unknown was we'll take three and gamble on our defense. A defense that's notably been underperforming. And honestly, honestly, is currently the, the albatross around Josh Allen's neck. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's my thing, right? I'll, and I'll, I'll leave this offer open to any NFL team that they want. I don't care who you are as long as you're not the Cleveland Browns. If you want to pay me, nothing, something paltry, $20,000 a year, I will show up to every one of your games, and I will just be the guy that leans into your coach's ear and says, hey, you have to go for it. It's fourth and three. Hey, you have to, you have to go for the touchdown here. It's fourth and goal. Hey, don't punt. You're on the 50. $20,000 a year. When it comes to Buffalo, I'll do it as long as you just pay my plane fare. Because, <laughs> dear God, do we need it? And I'll tell you what, your team's going to win more games. Right. And it's not like... Like, we didn't stop them for the field goal. They end up getting the end zone. So you do realize that, let's say we go for a fourth on seven, and it doesn't convert. The outcome of the game is the same. <laughs> so I don't know how McDermott continues after the season as head coach. We'll see what happens. I fear that he'll be back next year. But I just, I don't see how you do that. Poor, poor Joe Brady in his second week as OC called the game of his life. <laughs> We put up 31 points, and then he had his Dorsey moment where his heart sank as there was the miscommunication between Diggs and Allen. Remember, there was the one game last when year. Dorsey where... started just bashing shit when he was sitting <laughs> yeah. at the desk. It just snapped, and this was, this was Joe the, Brady's Dorsey moment. My favorite part about that Ken Dorsey clip, he never stands up, so he doesn't get enough leverage to really slam anything. Like, he can't put, like, his fucking core into it and really spike shit. So he's taking, like... You know, the, the Microsoft Surface. And he's just as hard as he can going, bah! and then it bounces like three inches back up. It's got to be yeah. the most unsatisfying temper tantrum of all time. Yeah, and then he was like scooping up his, he's like scooping things up and like throwing them down, little yeah. short arm throws. And yeah, he got some like backlash for that. And I never got it. I was like, oh, did you want to cut to him and him just be like, eh, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, what, I don't see what the big thing is. It's not like you cut to him and he was just screaming obscenities. <laughs> like, 
It was it was weird. But. You know what was another good reaction during this game? Jake Elliott hits one of the all-time great field goals. Like, degree of difficulty, 10 out of 10. And they cut to Jalen Hurts, and he's just kind of, like, sitting there like he just saw a kind of funny episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. They cut the guy, to... The guy is so level-headed, man. Yeah, they, the Bills were going down the field during overtime in that drive, and they cut to, like, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and they were just, like, sitting on the sidelines in their coats. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's interesting. It's so funny, because Sirianni has like the fakest I'm over energized thing that he does. Oh my God. I want to punch him so bad. <laughs> then, then AJ Brown, Devonte Smith and Jalen hurts have one emotion a year between the three of them. Yeah. I just, I couldn't listen to all the Tyriani. Oh, this team doesn't panic. We thought we just find ways to win, you know, and all the stuff, all the football guys on panels who were like, Oh, I pressed by you know, the fight of these Eagles. They find a way to win. We shot ourselves in the foot. Also, Eagles are in real trouble if Lane Johnson is out for an extended period of time. Their oh, offense yeah. started to fall apart after he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing I did want to say while we're on the segment, we were kind of talking about them earlier, so I don't want to get too far off. I did just want to point out that if we're going to be good football analysts, something we have to do is analyze the process, not the results, right? Mm-hmm. You can't say a play was good because it ended in a touchdown. And you can't say a play was bad because it didn't. Absolutely. So I do want to give Doug Peterson some credit here real quick. Going to the end of the second half, he's on the one-yard line. He could have kicked a field goal to go up by nine against Houston, but he decided to try and go for it. Ran a good play. Houston just defended it better. Didn't get in the end zone. Time expired in the half. He didn't get any points. People have been tearing him apart. Now, he made the right call. He did. You talk expected points there. The expected points are higher if you go for it on fourth and goal from the two than if you kick a field goal. And the defense just outplayed it. Yeah, and to tie it to the Bills game after McDermott kicks the field goal, like for 30 minutes, all second half, I'm not sitting. I'm up. I'm pacing. And once he kicked the field goal, I just sat down, defeated. And I was thinking to myself, even if we get the stop or even if we hold him to a field goal and then go down and kick a field goal to win this, it will still be a situation where I come out of this going, McDermott almost cost us the game. That was the bad decision. (laughs) And it's just facts. Yeah. As soon as McDermott kicked the field goal, my thought was, all right, if you're the Bills, all you're hoping for now is a tie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. We, we, you know, we're, we're spending too much time bitching about the Bills, but everyone's made this parallel already. It's just crazy. Of all the teams you think, that would be aware of how fast you can march down the field and score. You think it would be the Buffalo Bills after the 13 second game. Right? And we it was a, it was a hard when that game play happened, I was like at first I was like, "Oh my god, we got Kansas City playoff game Gabe Davis today." <laughs> like this is amazing how he just does this randomly. Uh and then it it didn't happen. But now yeah, it's late in the game, defenses are tired and good offenses execute and can just move down the field. And to think that in 20 seconds, we couldn't have hit a couple plays. And I know Bass hit missed a couple field goals, but to not even try to give him the chance is ridiculous. Even if you, even if you get to a point where you're like, all right, Bass, you're going to take a 65 yard field goal attempt. You're still going to overtime. Yeah. Every time McDermott had the choice between win or tie, he chose tie and he ended up losing as he should. All right, I got we. I, I know that I, I gave the last headline, but really we wrapped like two or three headlines into that. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick it back up here. Go with the the easy connection. 
the AFC settled. Now, specifically, the divisions are settled. Okay. Miami has a two-game lead in the East. Kansas City has a two-game lead in the West. Baltimore has a two-and-a-half game lead in the North. And the Jags have a two-and-a-half game lead in the South. I get that no one's mathematically eliminated or whatever. That's settled. There's, there's no, let's fight this out the last few weeks. No one's going to gain three games on any of those teams down the stretch. And it, barring injury, no one's gaining three games in those divisions. Now, the wild card. Wild card is still very much up for grabs. Currently, Pittsburgh, five seed. They have the tiebreaker over the Browns. Cleveland, six seed. Cleveland's so fucking screwed, man. DTR goes down yesterday, which, by the way, I don't have a bonus award for it. I don't have any bonus awards this week. The Broncos are frauds. I love them. Love them to death. Broncos are frauds. The Broncos have a plus 12 on the turnover margin in the last four weeks. Mm -hmm. That is not, oh, wow, their defense not only stopped being so bad they gave up 70 points, but also got really good at turnovers. That is just sheer, blind, piss-drunk luck. Let's not try to frame it any other way. Yeah, t- turnovers are one of those things where they're great, they're awesome. It's not something you can just expect to be there on a week-to-week basis. Unless you're the Dallas Cowboys, who in back-to-back years have had the player that leads the league in interceptions. That's true. Unless you're Deron Bland. He's the only man who can do it. So Cleveland currently sixth. They, they, Miles Garrett's hurt. DTR's hurt. Uh, Denzel Ward's hurt. Miles, if Miles Garrett's hurt, there's, just pack it in, man. Try to lose the rest of the games and get a, a solid draft pick because Miles Garrett is your team. Mm-hmm. Then Indianapolis, Houston, Denver, Buffalo, all have six wins right now. Currently, seventh spot, Indianapolis, due to their head-to-head against Houston. Eighth spot, Houston, because they have a better win percentage against conference opponents than Denver. Number nine spot, Denver, who has a tiebreaker over Buffalo because of uh, win percentage. Because Denver's had their buy and Buffalo hasn't. When does head-to-head come into play? I figured, why isn't head-to-head the first tiebreaker? Head-to-head is the t- first tiebreaker. That might be why. I just have, I, yeah, it might be both of those. Because I, I just have, yeah. I've written down the win percentage. Um, mm-hmm. That wild card is going to be a crazy race going down, down to the, the wire. I think that as a football watching public, we should all personally hope for Houston and Buffalo to make it in the wild card. Yes. And whoever at the seventh seed, you know, give it, give it to Denver. Let, uh, let Russell Wilson and Sean Payton have their old man fun. I mean, Jake Browning and the Bengals aren't even out of this thing yet. Jake Browning and the Bengals are out of this thing. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. But it is very crazy because even when you look at the Steelers and the Browns at 7-4, and four, there is no game where they are like a lock to win. Every game is a possible loss for them yeah. at this point. It's crazy. And Matt Canada, you weren't doing a good job, but it might not have been your fault. <laughs> The, the Browns the Browns reached the Buffalo range where the defense is too hurt. But the difference is that on the other side of the ball, they don't have Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Dalton Kincaid. They have they have PJ Walker throw into dust Amari Cooper. Yeah, I was trying to think of like, is there a wider like you know how like Steelers, you're like, I feel bad for Pickens. I feel bad for Garrett Wilson on the Jets. I was like, is there a receiver? on the Browns I feel bad for. Uh, no, no, there's not. There's there's no like premier young receiver there that I feel bad for. I was, I was so I was talking about this because I obviously uh, watched every single snap of the Denver game because mm. I hate myself. Yeah. But I was talking about this yesterday while I was watching that. When is the last time you remember the Browns having a receiver you were excited about that they drafted? Odell. 
Oh they no! Draft yeah, him. yeah, that's right. Um, never. Yeah, like, are are we are we in the early stages of a Baker Mayfield curse that we don't know about yet? Where the Browns drafted a young quarterback and ruined his career? The city turned its back on Baker. They traded for Deshaun Watson. Are yeah. we in the early stages of a Baker curse? I think when you have a bad of a track record at QBS, Cleveland has had. I think the. Uh, the Are we the Tim becomes, Couch curse? Yeah, like the leash just becomes very short. Like no matter what you did last season, you start losing next season and playing bad. They're like, here we go again. Get him the fuck out of here. Time to draft Brandon Whedon. Yeah. 29-year-old Brandon Whedon. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you talk about like homegrown heroes that, you, that are on the Browns. It's like fucking Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, and no one else. I mean, Jeremiah Wusukoromo. But other than that, I can't think of another. You're right. <laughs> See all transfer portal team? Is he one of the guys on there? Oh no, he was uh recruited and played his whole college career at Notre Dame. Uh, that's why you knew him. I knew he had something to do with college that would interest you. Yeah. Because otherwise, why would you remember how to pronounce Jeremiah Wusakormo's name? I heard his name on many a broadcast. <laughs> Mike, who do you think? First off, who do you think ends up the one seed in the AFC? The one seed yesterday changed hands four times. It started off with Miami. By the end of the 1 o'clock games, it was Jacksonville. By the end of the 4 o'clock games, it was Kansas City. And by the end of the night games, it was back to being Baltimore. Yeah, I think Baltimore has the inside track right now. So, Yeah, because they get to I, play the Bengals again. Yeah. So, I, I, I like the Ravens. Kansas City, once they get to the playoffs, they'll be fine. But there's still things they have to figure out and kind of get set during the season. Everyone keeps shorting the Ravens because they're like, yeah, their offense isn't that explosive. But their defense is so fucking good. Yeah. And Lamar's good. I get it. He's not slanging it around or whatever, but he had a great first half and they coasted in the second half. Yeah. I like What's the term. fucking games, people? All right. What's the fucking games? Slanging it. That's a good one. Slanging it. Slanging it. <laughs> all right, Mike, you want to throw out your other headline there? Oh, yeah. It's just like maybe not so much Brock Birdie, but definitely Dak Prescott are two guys that are kind of getting disrespected, especially in the MVP race. So, Purdy is sixth, odds-wise, despite being first in EPA per play. Uh, same with adjusted EPA and composite EPA. Like, And I know he has a lot of weapons around him, and so that helps. He also has the highest completion percentage and adjusted completion percentage going deep with the fourth highest PFF grade, so that's 20-plus, and he has eight touchdowns to one interception. Now flip over to Dak. There's a laundry list of things you can point out. Highest passer grade. Uh, he's been graded over 90 in four of the last six. In his last six games, he's 23 and six touchdowns and interceptions. Ever since that Niners game, he's just gone wild. Second in EPA per play. Same thing with uh, Purdy. Very good 20 plus. And it's frustrating because I feel like, I don't know, is it commercials that do this? Are people like uh, State Farm commercials? And oh, Jalen Hurts told me that Hulu has live sports. So that's why they're in like the front of the mind for MVP. But both these teams have great records and they have quarterbacks who are playing really good and no one gives a fuck. Yeah, it's team success and media narrative. I mean, even me, as I, I'm like leaning, leaning into my own bit here, Purdy, I, the only note I've written down for Purdy is team success MVP. Mm-hmm. I know last week I had to come out and admit that Brock Purdy's good, but that's still the team success MVP of the season if you're giving it out to him. Dak, 6-1 to one for MVP, third place currently. Uh, just quick side note, I noticed something here. All top five favorites right now. The, the five players 
that are currently leading the the race for MVP are black quarterbacks. It's pretty cool. Different league than when we were younger. Back when, nice. like, think back to like, like the 07 to 2010 range. Every black quarterback was like, they're not smart enough to be a pocket passer. Now the five best quarterbacks by MVP odds this season are all black pocket passers. Yeah. The, the NFL finally, like, I'm not even going to go into it. But yeah, that is really cool to see. For a second there, I got worried you were going to really go the other way with that. <laughs> go a little Ursay on me. I think, yeah. <laughs> you know who's really being pre- prejudiced against? White pocket passers, Mike. Right. Where is Sam Darnold on these rankings? That's what I want to know. Him and, him and Purdy kind of have the same body type. So you're saying if you were going to have a three-way with two dudes and it was Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold, you wouldn't know which one was in which hole? I wouldn't. I would have no idea. It'd be yeah. a very confusing three-way for me. Well, it'd be, it'd be very easy to figure out because you know Brock Purdy's nickname, right? Big Cock Brock. There you go. Yeah, instead but... Of, that... Instead of uh, Tiny Dinky Darnold. <laughs> They call him Sammy Smalls. Yeah. Yeah, so Dak, you already hit some of this. 0.260 EPA per play, 114 total EPA, both second highest marks in the league on the season so far. 8.3 A dot, 23 touchdowns, second in the league, only behind Josh Allen. Six interceptions, seventh lowest interception percentage. And besides that, talk about team success. He is overcoming Mike McCarthy. Right? Yeah. That is, and, and keep in mind, if you want to talk like team success compared to how like the, cube like weapons and how that's affecting some of these underlying stats the cowboys are 11th in rush per play if i have that right hold on yeah that i mean that that makes sense like i i do yeah i i haven't they haven't looked very good running the ball this season they haven't and dak has won them football games yeah yeah i mean 114 total epa yeah no no credit because he doesn't have as many commercials He, he has that uh, what is it like the mattress commercial? Yeah, <laughs> sleep <laughs> sleep number or whatever. Yeah, where he's like, I my leg exploded. Now I need a special mattress. It knows my sleep number or whatever it is. He's he also has the Home Depot commercial <laughs> the, when he's like blue forty two, and the woman that's working at Home Depot goes, "No, you fucking idiot! It's called Dallas Cowboy Blue, fucking idiot." Uh, and he goes, "Me like cowboy." The same way. It's a good commercial makes me want to go to Home Depot. Yeah, does it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I want to deal with the uh, the wisecrack in Home Depot person. Uh, the same way last week you were like, all right, got to admit it. Um, Purdy's good. I have to admit it. Dak's still good, and Dak is, should be the front runner for MVP this year. Okay, I listen, I knew you were going to say that. Here's my thought on that. If we make a couple of agreements here, right? MVP, mm-hmm. most valuable player, right? Every single team the most valuable player is probably their quarterback. Correct. If the award was best player, you can make an argument for plenty of other guys. I think the quarterback who has improved his team situation the most this year has been Josh Allen. He has been the most valuable player to a team. I think second place has been Dak Prescott. So if we're handing out true MVP, I would go Josh Allen, the Dak Prescott. If we're handing out MVP that has to go along with team success, which is kind of what the award is, mm-hmm. I would take Dak. Now, he's going to have his chances because after the Seahawks game, they have Philadelphia, he has Buffalo, and he has Miami. And those are three straight games where I feel like if he comes out, puts up numbers, and they win those games, maybe the media will finally start giving him giving him some some credit. 
especially because Buffalo and Miami don't have great passing defenses. Yeah. Get some yards there, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Mike, I got uh, I got one one mini headline for you left. Okay. Sunday Night Football is ruined. I was wondering where you're going with this. They had Jason Garrett in the fucking booth. Oh, because Collins, was Collinsworth sick or? Well, Collinsworth called the game on Thanksgiving and oh. Collinsworth has the clout to go. I, w- I want to spend time with my family now. Here's a guy who's my son and I don't get to see very often. I'm working two games a week. I get tired. You know, I, just, I can't do it. So Collinsworth gets Sunday off. But Jason fucking Garrett in the booth. Jason Garrett would start talking and then it was like he would forget what he was going to say. So you do the George Bush where he would just fake laugh until he could remember it. He'd be like, the, de- the defense here in Baltimore. <laughs> They're playing really good this year. Did he have that creepy grin on his face the whole time? That whole time. Looks- whole yeah, game. It, it looks like he farted and he's not taking credit for it. But everybody can tell by the way he's smiling. Like, we, we know you farted, Jason. Yeah. You got any more headlines, Mike? Is that everything? Ready to move on? Uh, no, I think we hit it all. Let's uh go ahead and move on to our next segment then. At the start of the season, Town Alone chose their team, and despite my pleading and begging to make it the Houston Texans, Stop. Mike pulled a gun on me, demanded the Falcons, or else he would kill me and then burn down an orphanage. So <laughs> I acquiesced, let him go with the Falcons. It was truly his passion at the time. You're Falcon washing history. So as a result of that, every week we go through, I try to guess the top five PFF grades, Mike tells me which ones I got wrong, and then I hand out the three stars for the game. Mike, this was a pretty good Falcons performance, I'll tell you that. Yeah. This was the kind of game Arthur Smith always wants to play. 24-12, win over the New Orleans Saints, takes the lead in the NFC South. Lots of running, not much passing. Desmond Ritter throws two interceptions. Looked better than his box score, I promise. Picked up some first downs on his legs. Just uh, just the, the kind of game Arthur Smith wants to call. Defense played exceptionally well. Derek Carr, still not a great quarterback. Derek Carr is actually who I think Trevor Lawrence is. Like, Derek Carr, in reality, is who in my head Trevor Lawrence keeps playing. Like, like Trevor Lawrence is actually good, but in my head every yeah. week, I'm like, this guy's basically just Derek Carr. That's, that's quite the insult to, to poor T-Law there, I gotta, even though I hate the Jaguars. This game did include a 93-yard pick six from our boy Jesse Bates III. Mm-hmm. Talk about some great off-season signs for them. They signed Jesse Bates and Caden Ellis and Janu Smith, but Jesse Bates and Caden Ellis, two top defensive players on the team this season so far, I, I think. Yeah, I felt like for some reason, I think I said it last week, like Arthur Smith just needs to go full Arthur Smith and do what he did last year, and then this week they finally did. The 41 carries to only 24 dropbacks. Like, yeah. all right, Arthur Smith is back. And also, they actually targeted Bijan. It was, we only got only caught three of his six for 32 yards, but one of them was a touchdown. One of them so. was a touchdown, and it was Ritter's best pass of the game. Yeah. Well, it was the best route of the game. It looked pretty, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, Bijan was open by six yards by the time the ball got to him. Yeah. Yeah. 228 total rushing yards on 41 attempts. All right, Mike, you got, uh, you got your PFF grades in front of you? I do. All right. I'll start rattling these off. First, Jesse Bates. Got to be on there. Yep. He is third. Uh, with a 91.7 defensive PFF grade. Two, Drake London. Nope. Mm. Three, the offensive line. Pick whoever you want. Chris Lindstrom, Jake Matthews. One of them's got to be on there. Three of them are on here. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to kill me on the rest of these, ain't it? 
Yeah, so we got number one was left guard Matthew Bergeron, 94.9. Second was right guard Chris Lindstrom, 92.8. And then fifth was right tackle Caleb McGarry at 83.6. See, how am I supposed to how am I supposed to guess that? It's unreal how every week this thing has like two, most of the time three offensive linemen on it. They were just running power the whole game. They just were moving their offense to the right or to the left. Tell them to go hit someone. Yeah. It was great. They were moving bodies, man. Bijan had a rushing touchdown where that offensive line was like, what if we just remove every single Saints defender from the field? Sick play from the offensive line. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely not going to get the rest of these then. Epichetti, is he on there? No. Caden Ellis. No. Yeah, he had a botched tackle on Kamara that made me start to second guess it. But Mm -hmm. So So, I missed what, one person? Hey, you missed number four. And it's a guy who you've uh, guessed many a weeks, but didn't this week. Defensive end, Calais Campbell, with an 89.6 defensive grade. He played enough snaps for that? Yeah, he played 21 of 72. So that would oh. get him over the, the 30% threshold, or the 25% oh. threshold. Nice shove, Calais Campbell. Oh, no, I'm yeah. sorry. He played, he played 46 of 72. So yeah, he was way beyond the, the yeah. qualifying percentage. Yeah, defensive line played really well. Alvin Kamara still had a good game, but that's just going to happen sometimes. Taysom Hill was in there so much they they got to get someone in the building who's gonna just say hey Taysom, you're just you're a tight end now go out there every single snap and play tight end every time we're in we're in 21 personnel your ass is out there it it's still so hilarious to be like all right five and six got the division lead with a nine uh minus 19 point point differential <laughs> uh, all right mike my stars of the game my third star drake london Averaged 18.2 yards of reception. Not only did he average 18.2 yards of reception, Mike, his average depth of target, 9.4 yards. Wow, that's some, that's some uh, yards after catch, right? Yeah, he was averaging almost nine yards after catch per catch. That's some yak right there. He had a 17-yard reception that was like one yard past the line of scrimmage when he caught it. Wow. Drake London, good receiver. Him and Olave. Those are two guys I really like that I'm just like, can we get these fuckers a quarterback? Olave popped off, too. Yeah, Olavi had a good game. He was he was going, man. Mm-hmm. Second star, I'm just giving it. I, I this is Gene. I'm giving it to the running back room and the offensive line. That's the second star of the game. They played out their fucking mind, man. Run game was cooking. 228 total yards on 4.1 attempts, over five yards a rush across the board. Not like their mm-hmm. best running back was running that. Just every time that someone ran the ball for the Falcons, it averaged 5.1 yards. That's a damn good day for your running game. Mm-hmm. And my first star, giving that to Jesse Bates. He has a couple of great blitzes, 93-yard pick six, punches out the ball, will Taysom Hills fall into the ground for a second takeaway for the Falcons' defense. Jesse Bates played out his mind. Jesse Bates, mm, all pro this season? Can you really? name, like, three safeties you think deserve it ahead of him right now? Uh, they take two safeties, don't they? An All-Pro? Uh, there's two teams, though, isn't there? How many All-Pro teams are there in the NFL? I have no this idea. is such a bigger thing in the NBA. It is, yeah. Uh, I, I think Bates and Hamilton are the two biggest ones that come to mind. Yeah, Hamilton's played really fucking good, too. Mm-hmm. Bates, Hamilton, Micah Hyde. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Honorable mentions. Stuff I just couldn't really get to. Uh, the Dez to, to Bijan touchdown pass, that was great. Bijan almost busts his ass afterwards by walking on cleats on the concrete. 
keep uh keep Bijan's butt safe, please. Ku Youngwin Ku might be the second best kicker in the NFL right now behind Jake Elliott. Like Jake Elliott. <laughs> After Sunday night football, when Justin Tucker missed a field goal, Youngwin Ku now has the number one spot on career kicking percentage for kickers with at least hundred attempts. Dear God. Do you think you think he's upset this week? Why? Because he only had to kick the one field goal, and so they they cost him his chance to be in the talent alone three stars of the week. Yeah, he's had he also a real couple streak. extra points though. Three extra points, yeah. Yeah, extra points aren't impressive. <laughs> I could make extra points. You know what else is great about Young Wing? He was originally on the Chargers, and they cut Young Wing Koo. Any thoughts on Falcons Saints? No, just that this is how they're going to win games. So they got to find a way to replicate this. And trust me, against good teams, it has no shot in hell of working. <laughs> but you're in the NFC South, so it can get you to the playoffs. <laughs> it was This was some of the most fun football I've watched the Falcons play this season. It was just a hoot. Yeah, every time I checked in on that game, I kept waiting for it to get to the point where they like sat on their balls or something and, and lost. I was like, oh, no, they're just, they're just keeping in control of this game, taking care of business. Good for them. The rest of the season, next week, I Jets. have pulled off right now. <laughs> yeah. After that, Bucks. After that, Panthers, Colts, Bears, Saints again. Who? Falcons winning the NFC South, brother. I think so. Are they going 10 and 6? Can they go undefeated the rest of the year? I don't know how they lose one of these. Are there something weird? Or anything the Colts could, could beat them? Colts are, yeah, Colts are sneaky good. Yeah, they're weird. They're weird. Gardner Minshew rushes a touchdown in every single week. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Jets defense, nothing to sneeze at. Haven't they given up 30 points the last two weeks? That's true. Okay, it's something to sneeze at. <laughs> I feel the Jets defense just get, gets worn down. I would also get worn down if my quarterbacks threw away every single game. All right. All right, Mike, our last segment that we go through every week is we hand out some weekly awards. These awards are consistent. They are cast in iron. They are chiseled out of stone like the Ten Commandments. We give out the same awards to the same people every single week. To the same people? Yep. Well, <laughs> why do we even do them? <laughs> to fill time. Mm-hmm. Mike, I have the wheel up. I have our awards on there. Is it even necessary? I've taken one off. I'm just going to give you the Brandon Stanley Memorial Worst Coaching Performance of the Week. You didn't even write down what the the name is normally called for this award. It is normally called the Brandon Stanley Memorial Worst Coaching Decision of the Week. You wrote down performance. Whole game. All right, Mike, I'm just going to let you go ahead here. Hand out the Brandon Stanley Memorial Worst Coaching Performance of the Week. Uh... If I had the timestamp of when we talked about the Bills game, I'd just give that out. I mean, it, it was McDermott making poor game management decisions left and right. He does it every week. What else is new? I For fun, I thought I'd go find a different one, you know, just to not have to talk about it again. But I just went ahead and went, went chalk. Do, do you have another one you, you considered? I have, I, I, I have like a half-ass bonus award where I gave out, I gave out Bizarro Stanley the best po- coaching decision of the week. Ooh. Which is Bill Belichick having his kicker miss that field goal. He told him, you hit yeah. that. You're fucking done, kid. You will never work in this league again. Great decision. It bumps the Patriots up to number three in the draft order right now. They are a weird Arizona win away from getting their win by Yama in the building. Yeah. All right, Mike, spin in the wheel. I guess this goes to me. I, g- I technically gave out an award, but that was kind of the mm-hmm. same award. All right, Mike. My first award this week is the game of the week. I think we hit the nail on the head in our predictions on Thursday. Yeah. Where my game of the week was Texans-Jags and yours was Eagles-Bills. Those were the two best games. Yeah, we crushed it. 
I went ahead with Texans Jacks because I knew we were going to talk incessantly about Eagles Bills. That's what I did. Yeah. So let me start with this. The CJ Stroud Tank Dell thing is for real. Mm-hmm. That is that is a real palpable connection we're going to see for the next few years. I didn't think it was going to be a thing. I thought Tank Dell was either going to be Jahan Dotson, third down, Terry McLaurin's double-covered guy, or he was going to be Michael Gallup, go down the field and I'll chuck it to you, guy. But Tank Dell is just like, oh, hey, my quarterback is moving outside the pocket. Let me just do some shit and get open. Or Tank Dell's like, I caught the ball on a bubble screen. Let me take it 13 yards. He's just... He is performing so well. We we get lost in the weeds talking about how good C.J. Stroud's been playing. Tank Dell, another hit from that draft. Texans easily had three major hits from the draft this year. Yeah, um, best advice I can give. Take Tank Dell yardage over. Because week nine against Tampa, he gets 114. Week 10 against Cincy, he gets 56. Last week at Arizona, 149. This week, 50. Next week, it's a lock. Tank Dell's going for like 125. 797 total yards of offense in this game. That is almost eight football fields. Can I, can I do my gimmick here? Can I read you every second half play res- or drive result? Yep. Jaguars come out. They get the ball in the second half. Throw an interception. After that, touchdown, touchdown, punt, field goal, downs, missed field goal, touchdown, punt, missed field goal, end of game. That is an eventful second half. That is... It's a smorgasbord, a little bit of everything. It's a smorgasbord. Both teams only punt once in the second half. The game opens field goal, punt, punt, punt. But after that, everything got cooking. There was only one turnover somehow, remarkably. And that was on an uncalled holding penalty on Evan Ingram. Where Ingram gets held so bad his jersey gets torn. They don't call it. And then it came down to a career-long kick for Matt Amendola that comes up like maybe two feet short. Would you, uh, fourth and 12, I'll say, would you have tried to convert that, get closer, but fourth and 12, that I understand that decision. I would have, but I know that Matt Amendola misses that kick, so. Yeah, that's true. 58 is not, not an easy get. It's nine yards over his career long. Yeah. Man, once they get Noah Brown back, it tanked out, Noah Brown's been playing out of his mind, no matter what you think of him. And then you got Nico Collins, who's also been playing well as that third guy. Third guy. He walked into the season as their, their number one option. Yeah, well, shit, shit changes fast in the NFL. He's, at worst, he's their number two option. He's not their number three guy. Noah Brown is not the best receiver on the team, Mike. I'm not saying he's the best receiver. The best receiver is Tank. But the best receiver is Nico Collins still. I like Tank Dell a lot, though. And Nico Collins is, is still leading. What about Bobby Trees? Is he their best receiver? Um, Dalton Schultz. He is not. Dalton Schultz is third uh, in, in yardage. But Noah Brown has 439 in five games. Nico Collins has 810 games. Pace-wise, Noah Brown's best wide receiver <laughs> by pure yardage. Well, I know what jersey I'm getting you for Christmas now. <laughs> All right, Mike, only one award left on the board here. Oof, that's rough. You want to give out mm-hmm. your oof, that's rough? Yeah, I gave it to the Chargers defense. I mean, even though Baltimore kind of just like Posted in the second half, you know, at the end, Baltimore only scored 20 points. And then this happens to be the week where up against a really tough defense, Herbert has four turnovers, one interception and three fumbles. And then down the stretch there, they had two turnovers on downs and their offense just couldn't get going. So I I feel, I feel for the Chargers defense. 
Yeah, I gave it to the Giants. Just the inverse of the reason I gave it. Gave the uh, Bizarro Stanley Memorial Best Coaching Decision of the Week award. Giants win because a New England kicker misses a kick. They drop from third to sixth in the draft. Have fun with Daniel Jones through 2026, guys. You have uh, some bonus awards there, Mike? I don't have any this week. I, I do. And I'll actually jump into one that you just mentioned. Uh, this goes to two teams. And the award is win for the team, loss for the fans. First one is the Giants, who are now down to the sixth pick in the draft because they decided to win a game. And the second one, I don't, I, I mean, they weren't in line for a first number one overall or anything like that, but the Titans decided to win another game. Uh, and they're now 10th. So, man, no, if they had I, lost that game, they would be fifth right now. So, yeah, that's right? a pretty significant one. That's a pretty significant win. So, yay for the team. The fans are sitting there going, great. I'm not getting a top 10 pick at, at, at this. Well, they're getting it. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? They're like, crap, we're getting a lower pick. Yeah. Uh, my other one, we already covered. It was the Do Your Effing Job Award. It goes to the refs in Buffalo at Philadelphia. <laughs> Specifically, Hockley, baby Hockley, you suck at your job. And then my third and final award is the Groundhog Day Award. And it goes to Mac Jones, because for the fourth time this year, <laughs> He got sent to the bench for Bailey Zappi. How many more times are we going to do this to the poor Did guy? Did Mac Jones fuck Bill Belichick's mom or something? Why does he keep putting him in the games to start? Did you fuck my mom? Did you fuck my Did mom? Did you Mac fuck Jones? my fucking mom, Santa? Um, yeah, like I kind of feel for Mac Jones a little bit just because talk about like a whiplash effect. Like, he, he gets benched and it's like, don't worry, you're starting next game, kid. Get back on the bench. Like, yeah, what a confidence just destroyer if he had any left. Can I point out, while we're just talking about some other games going on, mm -hmm. Pittsburgh-Cincinnati. Everyone's louding. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense is fixed. They had 400 yards for the first time since before Matt Canada was offensive coordinator. Matt Canada, famously the last offensive coordinator that was employed in the NFL to not have a 400-yard game during his tenure. Mm -hmm. Now everyone's louding it because they had 400 yards. Kenny Pickett, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. They won 16-10 to a Cincinnati Bengals team with injuries on defense and injuries on offense. Of which they, of course, needed a defensive touchdown to even get in the conversation of. Mm -hmm. Or I guess not a defensive touchdown, but they had uh, two turnovers or two takeaways. Just maybe maybe don't say the Steelers' offense is all fixed because they broke 400 yards when it took Najee Harris averaging 6.6 .6 yards a carry and Jalen Warren gaining another 13 carries for 49 yards on top of that to get there. And... uh I mean, people talk about Travis Kelsey, but Pat Fryer. Fryer moved with 120 yards, nine catches, 11 targets, that? 11 targets for Pat Fryer. That's some AJ Brown numbers. That's some, that's some uh, Stephon Diggs numbers. Getting that's 11 some, targets in a game. That's some Taylor Heineke just constantly throwing to Logan Thomas numbers that we, that we got last year. It is wild. <laughs> Uh, the also, golden era of Washington football. Yeah. Also, you won by six points. You should have won. You had the ball for 15, oh, a whole quarter more of minutes with time of possession. If you lost, I really wonder what the fuck you were doing in all that time. It, one more thing. Just shout outs to Kyron Williams. You know. Let's go. Yeah. Rams lit it up. Rams, when we, t do, when we pick a team for the podcast next season, we got to go Rams, man. They're going to be so much fun next year. Is Stafford going to be gone? Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, I, I actually, I forgot. As the games are going on, I was like, oh, I'm definitely doing, like, a Golden Domer award for best Notre Dame alumni. 
performance and it would have gone to Kyron Williams. The 143 on the ground, the another 61 through the air and two touchdowns. You were going to give it to Manti Teo? What is he? What was he doing yesterday? Selling Hopefully not cards? dating online. <laughs> oh, Paul. Leave Manti alone. I like how I like how you were like, is Matt Stafford gonna be there? I go, hopefully not. Stafford threw four touchdowns yesterday. Oh, he did. Like I so funny story about that. I am an idiot. Yeah. And I I don't I don't know why I thought Stafford wasn't gonna play. For some reason, would, I I, I think would it's you every, Carson Wentzovers or something. Yeah, I think like every other week, I think he's hurt. So I was like, I don't think Stafford's playing. And so I took the under in that game. But that that's not the real problem. The real problem is there was another game I wanted to take the under in. It was Browns Broncos. I wanted to take the under in as well, which also didn't hit. But I accidentally bet Rams Cardinals twice. <laughs> so that game really like double screwed me since they decided to. What was the over under in that game? Forty four and a half. Okay. Like that was I, that seemed like the most egregious thing. Except the Cardinals' defense sucks, so I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, uh, the Rams were a touchdown and a two-point conversion away from covering it themselves. Yeah, that didn't that didn't go well. Just looking well, at this real quick, though, I know that I obviously Stafford threw four touchdowns, and that's never anything to piss on. But his four touchdown passes were for a combined 12, 30 yards. Well, I'm just saying, like it's not like he's fucking flinging it all over the field for these touchdowns. He was throwing like no. seven yard pass to Tyler Higby. Yeah. Well, it's, it's no coincidence that Kyron Williams t- returns and gets 143 yards. And all of a sudden this offense is like systematically marching downfields. <laughs> like yeah. Also maybe, crap. maybe let's not put a ton of stock in Ah, the Rams offense is fixed. It was the Cardinals defense. That's true. Their defense is, is terrible. Can I ask you a question about Sunday? Yeah. Was going into it was, Colts Bucks, like the most least watchable game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's up there because it's two teams that you completely forget about all the time, right? Yeah. But New England, New England, New York has to take the the cake on. Oh God, you'd have to put me in the little clockwork orange eye thing to get me to watch that one. Yeah, but Tommy DeVito, like the game was going to be such dog shit. You were actually yeah, like a little interesting. This one was Gardner Minshew versus Baker Mayfield. Like, is there any more like epitome of meh, like kind of QB matchup as possible? If you found out that both of those guys had been on the Tennessee Titans for a season and a half and you just didn't know it, would it even really surprise you? No, like if you asked me right now, I'd like, I know Baker wasn't, but I'd be like, Minshew might have been. <laughs> like, I feel like he might have been. That, How that about this? Happen. Did you know Baker Mayfield was on the Rams? Okay, you remember that Christmas game against the Broncos? Not that season specifically, no. He shows up and crushes the Broncos 40-zip. Yeah, wasn't that like right after he got sent there? Yeah, he landed there and two days later was beating up on the Broncos. That's some Josh Dobbs shit. Some Josh Dobbs shit, except Baker Mayfield probably isn't a rocket scientist the way Dobbs is. I'm going to go ahead and guess that. You got any more thoughts on football for this week, Mike? No, uh, you want to give me a quick prediction for the NFC North tilt? Oh, we got coming up tonight? Bears at Vikings? I think Josh Dobbs is the most overrated quarterback in football. I'm ready to admit is, it publicly. I'm not even overrated. I'm so annoyed about it. I didn't know he was overrated. 
people are like Josh Dobbs shows up everywhere and is suddenly just no there's just every time he shows up somewhere new no one has tape on it I get it he's very fucking smart he just runs the goddamn ball I hope he throws 11 picks tonight 11 I do too because that would be amazing (laughs) I'd give him I'd give him an award for that I think the Vikings probably win and cover thanks uh PFF has it listed as a minus three spread currently, but it's probably a little different if you go to Fandle or one of the sports books. Over under yeah, 43 and a half. Three. I think they win and cover. 43 and a half, that's an under, right? That's an under. Yeah. That feels like an under. Yeah. I mean, the Vikings are a bad team. Justin Jefferson's not playing. This game's not very watchable. No, not, not at all. All right, Mike, you want to hit your plugs? Get out of here. Yeah, so I got... Actually, I got two tickets to paradise. I got to tell you about this because I just sent it to you or put it in the folder today. We got, I split up on Saturday this week into two parts because there's shit to talk about. We got coming out of rivalry week and then we got a conference championship week coming up. So I split up in two parts, either tonight or tomorrow. Part one will be dropping, I'm guessing. Um, and that's going to be looking at this past week and how my bets did this week. Once again, three and one. And then after that, probably look for it around Thursday. You will be getting. Part two, which I'm going to take a look at all the conference championship games, place bets on all of them that will count towards my season total and predict the winners. That's 10 conference championship games. Don't worry. Some of them will be quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on like the Sunbelt conference, uh, but I will have a bet for it. So that's 10 feature bets this week. So tune into that or read that. <laughs> tune in, you know. Same thing. If we just live stream the, the like top quarter of the article. Mm-hmm. Think we catch any viewers? I don't think. What are we like? Just live screening, like live streaming us, like slowly scrolling through it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Besides that, got league pass watchability rankings coming out on Tuesday. I'm back to writing the blurbs. Couldn't last week because I was moving. We have Team Town Alone coming out on Friday. Another episode of this podcast on Thursday. Now that we've moved it to Thursday nights, and we have Basky coming out on Saturday. No pay per views this week, right, Mike? Nope. You're putting out two articles, so I guess we're not getting a CM Punk anything. Oh, boy. I thought about it. <laughs> I'm so happy. Every time I think about him being back, I'm just so happy. I can't wait for him to punch a Christian in the face. Be sure to keep an eye out on the website. We often have things pop up there at random. Obviously, we've, we've named everything we have planned on coming out, but, you know, sometimes we get special stuff out there. Go ahead and check our Twitter feeds. He's Town Alone Mike. I'm Town Alone Adam. You can see Mike tweet about college football, and you can see me tweet about what stuff we got coming out. And with that, Mike, we only got uh, one thing left to do. You got to give shout-outs to our boy. Big Cock Fox. There you go.